tonight to Matthew chapter 25 and Luke chapter 16. Matthew 25 and Luke 16. Praise God. Amen. Hey, you guys, uh, bring some folks with you. Bring yourself, bring your family. Let's fill the house on Sunday. Amen. God's got great things in store for us and the church family on Sunday. And you're going to get the treat of uh, my wife will have the con. Uh, she'll be up here ministering. I've asked her to minister uh, on Sunday. So praise God. It's always good when the mother of the house speaks, the lady of the house. So glory to God. So Matthew chapter 25. And uh, let's bow our heads. Father, we continue to look to you as always. We set our eyes like flint. God, we need to know not just what you do, but how you do it. We want to know your ways, not just your acts. Because, God, when we know your ways, then, Father God, we can cooperate in a fuller, uh, more accurate way. And we'll be the beneficiary, and others connected to our lives will be as well, as we produce greater fruit in every area of our life. Father, as 3 John 2 says, we thank you that it is your great desire, your highest aim, that we prosper in every area, that we enter into health and enjoy it ongoingly. And I thank you for continuing to help me and all of us tonight collectively to hear from you, to gain revelation from your Spirit. Spirit of God, illuminate the Word of God to us that we might prosper in every area to a greater degree. Because as we do, Father, it'll not only benefit us, but it's going to more accurately, more fully reflect who you are and what your will is out toward others. And that's our highest aim. We thank you for it tonight. We're all believing for utterance. We're believing for answers. We're believing for correction. We're believing for instruction. And we know because we're about to get the Word of God, it's going to bring faith to our hearts. And faith enables us to overcome. So we thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. So had it in my heart to continue the series that we've been on uh, for the last number of weeks uh, that we're calling Practical Prosperity. And uh, I'm encouraging you to pull out, if you have it already, many of you do, uh, my book, A Prosperous Journey, and make that sort of uh, a focus for January, amen, a book of the month, if you will. Reread it. If you've not gotten your copy, there's one out in the bookstore, and uh, go out and get you one. It'll bless your life, amen. amen. Uh, not because I wrote it, but because God's Word is, is the feature uh, that's in there. And God wants us all to have a prosperous journey. And you've you got to know, uh, there's people connected to your life. You know, I don't have grandkids yet, but they're, they're, they're in my lineage, you know. Time keeps going, I'll have them eventually. I'm believing God. Well, I, I want to make sure I do my part that when they come along, they prosper through their connection with me. In every realm. Amen. That they come to know Jesus at an early age because they were born in my family. Amen. But I want them blessed and taken care of materially and financially. I was just watching some of Dr. Savell, and Dr. Savell said he was quoting that scripture about a good man. What a good man does. He said a good man, uh, you know, lays up and stores up an inheritance for his children's children. And he said, well, I, when I got a hold of that verse, I started laying up. My grandkids weren't even born yet. Uh, but I started laying up because I want to be a good man. He said my dad was a good man, but he didn't know that scripture. But he said, I knew that scripture. So I, I, and he said, uh, when my uh, grandkids turn 21, 
they got their trust fund turned over to them. And he, he pointed at one, I think he was actually one of the grandsons that was here at the last meeting. He, he said, my, that guy, my, that grandson just got his. Just uh-huh. like, he was like, woo. <laughs> Amen. Well, see, what a blessing. Amen. Amen. And, of course, all the things that we can do to advance the kingdom, that's a huge part of it, too. And so, but the Bible's not just uh, a, a book of uh, what God does. Uh, His Word is uh, a, an instruction manual for us. And one of the things woven into the miraculous book you have in your hand there, or on your phone, is patterns and principles. And he laid them in there, and I've, I've found this out in my journey of writing this book, and uh, uh, some of my quest to just grow in prosperity myself, is that when uh, even a sinner, when they bump into, when they discover and put to work a principle that God laid out, that God ordained, it'll work for them. They might not have gotten it from the Bible. I, I have a book uh, that I read from an Australian businesswoman, and she's a billionaire. And, but she's, you know, unless she's gotten born again, I pray she has. At the time of the writing of that book, she's no friend of Jesus. But I just, some of you have heard this, and I've, I've, I wrote about it a little bit in that book. There came a time where I just kind of threw the book down and go, God! Because she would start talking about, well, for, well, for instance, she started talking about, I found out that if I gave out of my profits at at least 10% to to charity, that my deals were bigger and more profitable. But if I let them fall beneath, and she said 10%. And that's when I threw the book down and go, God, here's a sinner. She doesn't go to church ever, right? She's not born again. She doesn't have the life of God. She doesn't have a covenant with God like you or me. And yet she's discovered a principle and she's enacted it and God is honoring it. And I had God speak to me in that moment. He said, I said, you're going to have to talk to me, God, because what, what is this? He said, anytime anyone, anytime anyone puts to work a principle that I've laid out in my word, it is wisdom. And then he said this to me, and it is me speaking to them. And when they enact it, even if it's by accident, I will honor it. It will work for them. So it's sad to me that there is a sinner woman who's figured out a principle and is working it to her advantage, and you got, you know, 80% of the body of Christ doesn't tithe. Think about what the body of Christ could do on the earth if we all tithe. Across the body of, Christ, uh, body of Christ on the earth, it's just a smaller and smaller percentage all the time of the body of Christ that actually ties and honors God. 80% of, or plus of the body of Christ are God robbers. They're thieves. Anyway, I have to be careful. That, isn't that sad? And, uh, but here's a lady who's figured this out. Now, you can gain the whole world and lose your old soul and you're still poor. I get all that. Don't write me a letter. I know that. She needs Jesus. But I'm talking about in the Word of God are principles. And there are patterns of wealth creation and many other things. Amen. And it doesn't matter saved or unsaved. If you work that particular principle, it's going to end up in a good result. Because it's a God thing. It's how God did it. You know, even sinners have gardens. Even sinners know how to plant a tomato seed and get a tomato. Right. And God says, I rain blessing, I shine, I cause the sun to shine and the rain to fall on the good and the bad, the just and the unjust. Right. 
right? So let's not let the unsaved world, amen, you know, take advantage of all of the principles and the patterns that are natural, that are in the earth, and they're creating wealth while we sit at home trying to just make confessions and get prosperity on the faith side alone and struggle. Some, you know, Christians have quit on God. Nobody should ever quit on God, but some Christians have quit on God by looking at the sinner. They look at the wealth of the sinner. Now, that's very unwise to do that. You know, there's a psalm where David laments verse after verse after verse. Look at me, I'm sacrificing. Look at me, I'm spending my time praying. Look at me, I'm putting my flesh down. Look at me, I'm being integrous. And these other people, they're lying and they're cheating. They don't care anything about God. They're not holy and they continue to advance and go forward. And then way at the end of the psalm, it goes, Oh, but God showed me how suddenly their destruction will come upon them. And not to envy the wealth of the sinner. But some people have quit on God because we're not advertising God right. So this series is about not discounting all that we are, we've already taught you about the supernatural ways that God moves. That verse just continues to stand out to me. I'll bless. Now that's a supernatural action. That's the, uh, that's the miraculous side. I'll bless what? I'll bless the work of your hands. Do you see there is a perfect, wonderful scripture about how God's designed it. You, you know, doing what you can in the natural. Amen. And then God pours on the supernatural. But He, only, he, doesn't, he doesn't do the supernatural up while you don't do any work with your hands. Amen. And so for a number of weeks now, we've talked about uh, diligence, self-control, temperance, uh, developing good habits. You'll be glad to know I'm going to shift gears from that tonight because I, I just didn't think you could take another service. <laughs> the way you've been behaving and responding about it. So, you know, but that's good for you. Amen. The diligent are going to bear rule. And the lazy are going to be put to forced labor. Right. Amen. But let's talk about another principle today that's laid out in God's Word. And it's about stewardship. So let's talk about that for a few minutes tonight. Now, we're here in Matthew 25, and then we're going to go to Luke. But I wanted to just quote to you a verse you know from Genesis 12. And it says that the covenant that God made with Abraham, it's an everlasting covenant. And we have been folded into it, as you know, because we're in Christ, Galatians chapter 3. Amen. But God said, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. Amen. And I want us to think about that as we read these verses, and I talk tonight for a few minutes about stewardship. We are to be a blessing. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a covenant mandate that we have. Right. He, the deal, and He wants to, and He will bless us for our sake, but not alone. Right. He blesses His people so that His people can be a blessing. Amen. 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 But to say this up front, and then we'll substantiate it further as we go along. You and I cannot be the blessing God wants us to be if we're not good stewards. Amen. If we're not good managers, if we're not good stewards of what God's put in our hand, then, then we will fail to be the blessing that God wants us to be. Amen. And I want to be a blessing. Amen. I know that the blessing on my life is not just about me. It's, it's a lot about others. 
Let's read a little bit of that. Now, this is a little bit of a longer passage. We'll try to condense it, but it's just so wonderful. Uh, Jesus told this story. Uh, I know you're familiar with it. Matthew 25, verse 14. Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country. Who's the man that traveled into a far country? Type and shadow? Who's he mean? Jesus. Jesus. You know, he went back to a far country. Mm-hmm. Amen. All right, so that's just keep that in mind. And he called who? His own, His own servants. Who's that talking about? That's talking about us. So are you your own? No. Or does someone own you? <laughs> so you don't even own yourself. Right. I don't own myself. Right. Hallelujah. Come on, now that you, I've shifted away from discipline, kind of. You should be happier about this one. Amen? And so he called his own servants and delivered unto them, now make note of this word, his goods. Whose goods? His goods. So you're not your own. I'm not my own. And the goods that have been delivered to me are not mine either. <laughs> Whose are they? They're his. He said, nope, nope, that's not right. I have a, it's my house. Okay, what's your house made of? Wood and sand and stone and metal. Where'd all that come from? Whose earth? Yeah. You know the metal you drove up in tonight? Where'd that come from? The plants you put in your salad, the meat you ate. Where'd that come from? Whose is it? Are you your own? Am I? So you yourself, me. I, I'm owned, purchased, bought with a price. Amen. I'm just going to try to get right to the meat of it, and you just swallow it, right? And we'll, we'll, be, we'll be changed. Our lives will be changed. Amen. And so his servant... His goods. Unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with them the same, traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that received two, he also gained other two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid, now notice this again, hid his money? Hid his Lord's money. Not his money, his Lord's money. Whose money is it? His Lord's. Lord's. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, verse 19, After a long time, the Lord of those servants comes and reckons or settles accounts with them. So he that received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, you delivered unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, you good, circle that, and faithful, circle that, servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. He that had received the two talents came and said to him, Lord, from... uh, You delivered unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Notice that word faithful. 
I will make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you are a hard man. Now, this sounds different than the other two. Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not strawed. And I was afraid. You might want to circle that. See, fear could make you a bad steward. Fear could make you a bad manager. You want to know why? Because fear paralyzes. Fear puts you in an inactive state. You know, no, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but notice the difference between this guy and the other two is that he did nothing. Is that being, is doing nothing, as this truth is unfolding, does that equal good stewardship in the eyes of the Lord? No. So many people are so occupied with avoiding doing bad that they do nothing. Hello. And in the mind of the Lord, you're still a failure. You're still unprofitable. You're still unfaithful. Doing nothing is not acceptable. (laughs) Hallelujah. So all pastors back in town, praise the Lord. (laughs) Amen. Glory to God. And uh, so praise God. So he goes on and says, uh, His Lord answered and said, Well, anyway, I was afraid, verse 25, sorry, and went and hid. Now notice he does call it what? Your talent. So notice... He returns 100% of what was entrusted to him back to the Lord. Let's find out if the Lord is pleased with that. I mean, the master incurred no loss. Is that right? What he gave, he got back. So he says, Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. What, What is yours? Verse 26, His Lord answered and said unto him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I uh, sowed not, gathered where I have not strawed. You ought therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received my own with usury or interest. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which has ten talents. Notice Jesus believes in giving to those who are successful. He believes in giving to those who are wealthy. Some people believe in the church you should never give to those who have more than you. Jesus took what the man had returned and gave it to the one that produced the most. Jesus is a good businessman. All right. Amen. Put your seatbelt on. Praise God. And uh, so it says, Take therefore the talent from him which gives to him that has ten talents. Give it to him that has ten. For unto everyone, you should underline this, meditate on this deeply. For unto everyone that has shall be given, or more shall be given. And he shall have what? Abundance. Abundance is connected to what? Stewardship. Not just faith. Not just faith. Abundance is not just connected to faith. Abundance is connected to stewardship. Hallelujah. 
And uh, so praise God. And so, and he shall have abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he has. Cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now keep your place here, but flip over to Luke's gospel, the 16th chapter. Y'all are real quiet tonight. Amen. It's not hurting us. It's good. It's good. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. So, you know, Jesus told another story. We're not going to take time to do that, but about the, the unjust stewards. And rumor had gotten to the master that he was mishandling the master's goods. And so the master came and says, what is this I hear about you? You're losing your... He said, one translation says, get your report in order. I'm about to fire you. So in other words, I'm going to fire you. I've already decided. But you're going to give me... We're going to have a conversation before you do. And the guy panics and decides, "What, what do I got to do? I've got to do something. And he very shrewdly goes out to people that owed the master. He actually did what he should have been doing diligently all along. Got those people to make some payments so that they could be in good standing with the master. Amen. And now that's going to build some good bridges with him. He's hoping to get some connections with those folks because he's now in need of a job. Amen. In verse 8, we'll pick it up there. And the Lord commended the unjust steward in his reaction because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Have you all ever wondered about that? Have you thought about that scripture? We're going to come back to that in a second. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. Or make yourself friends with uh, worldly wealth, other translations will tell you. That when you fail or when the money fails, they may receive you into everlasting homes. Look at verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Now before we flip back to Matthew... Notice here it said that the children of this world are wiser in their generation than are the children of light. Uh, In my book, in a particular chapter, I give you several different phrases from several different translations on that verse. And uh, basically Jesus is saying the children of the devil, the children of unrighteousness, are more skillful, they're more shrewd and more wise in working their system to their own advantage, than are the children of light. And when it comes to finances and money, that's very true today in the church. You get outside the four walls of the church, and people embrace and accept the principles and the patterns of wealth creation. Compound interest, investing, living beneath their means, starting a business, doing a business deal learning to trade the market. But it's a, it's a taboo subject in the church. And because all the church has, the, you know, from leadership pretty much is taught, uh, give some money, receive some money. And, and tithe, tithe and be faithful in tithing and, and God will take care of everything. 
just on that alone. Well, that's convenient for the church. That funds the church. But that leaves the people with a very short-sighted, not well-rounded, not holistic view of what it's going to require, what the Word actually says, if you want to live a blessed life. Amen. Listen, among the people here, if tithing was all there is, we would all be in Canaan's land. Because we have a high percentage of us that's tithing. But there are many other factors. One of them is stewardship. Now, I believe in tithing. I'm not minimizing. It's a powerful, powerful thing. But because, uh, uh, like I said, of the lack of... Some people, they just put everything about their prosperity and you know, what they think God's going to do for them in that, as long as I just get that. And we have people and they're faithful. They never come to church. They come to church maybe once a month when they're scheduled to do something. We don't see them any other time. They don't come to special meetings. But man, they send that tithe check they, because they believe. I mean, if they don't do that, they can't be blessed by God. And, you know, there's an element of truth there. But see, that's they've just put too much almost emphasis you know, they think that them sending their tithe in is going to enable God to bless them even though they're unfaithful to the house of God. That's going to show up in how God, you know, in limits in ways that God can bless you. Just sending the check in is wonderful, but that's not all there is. You, God expects you, if you're going to have the best, to be faithful. That's part of stewardship. I'm not talking about just being a good bean counter. We've got to steward our whole life, manage our whole life. Amen. Praise God. And it's just so sad that, uh, that the children of, the, of darkness, they are skillful in working their system. Mm-hmm. When we have a profoundly better system in the kingdom of God, but right. we, don't, we have ignorance across the board. 98%, isn't that what the Spirit of God said to Dr. Dufresne, Lima, Peru? 98% of my children live beneath. Amen. Bless God, we're changing that around here. I am. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now go back with me to Matthew. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what is a, you know what a man, what a steward is, right? A steward, uh, I looked it up and, you know, I could wear you out with this, but I won't. Uh, But a steward is a manager. Mm -hmm. A steward is someone that has been entrusted with the oversight and the day-to-day operation and direction of someone else's goods and resources. Mm -hmm. Amen. And we just have to understand that, praise God. And you're a steward. That's what you need to get just real quick. You're a steward. You're not your own. You're a servant. I'm a servant. And and here's a big one. If we could all get over to this, we would have taken a, a big step. I don't own anything. I don't own anything. I don't own myself. If I'd made all my decisions about me owning myself, I wouldn't be living in this city. I came here because I was the master. Led us, instructed us to come here. We're glad he did, don't get me wrong. Everything he does is for, you know, he blesses us in our doing that. But I'm not my own, really. I don't, I don't, you, you get my point. We, we need to get this mentality, I don't belong to myself. And I don't own anything. And so, well, what am I then? How should you think of yourself? I'm a steward. 
I have been entrusted with a measure of the Lord's resources. And He is expecting me, right, to be skillful and faithful with those resources. And and we saw from that parable in Matthew, the definition of that is not keep it the same. Treading water is not pleasing to the Lord. Let me say it to you this way. Not increasing is not okay. Now, people in the body of Christ, they're satisfied not changing. They're satisfied not increasing. And they're not even trying to because they're, they're comfortable, they're satisfied. They don't want to do all that other stuff we've been preaching about, you know, like reaching and stretching and getting self-disciplined and having a vision. But one day, what's going to happen? One day, we're going to have our very own moment right here where the master's going to show up and say, give me an account for what I put in your hand. And if you say, here's 100% of what you put in my hand, what did he call this guy? Wicked and slothful. There's that word slothful again. Now, he didn't lose anything for the master, but he did not increase it. So this, I have biblical justification for this, right, Reverend Marilyn? Failing to increase is not okay. It's wicked, slothful, unprofitable, not going to be pleasing to the Lord. He expects us to increase what He's, been, what he's given. Now notice these three servants. J- Jesus was fair and good. He did not give them more than He knew they could handle. If you've got it in your hand, you have it within you, if you'll just pay attention and grow and become skillful and make the Lord your partner, pay attention, you can increase what you have. Amen. If you have it, it should increase. So to the one... Now, just to clarify this, when the Lord said here in this story... He gave unto one five talents. He gave unto one two talents. He gave unto one... He's not talking about uh, the ability to shoot a basketball. It's not talking about natural talent. This word talent is a financial unit of measure that was very common in that day. It was a unit of measure. It was a very measurable unit of wealth. Notice all through there, he said he did the Lord's money. Notice they increased it with trading. Notice when Jesus said to the wicked, you should have at least took my, the talent, not your basketball ability, and deposited in the bank. So what is he talking about? He's talking about money. This whole story is about money. Stewarding money. Managing money. Does the Bible talk about money? Oh, all, huge. Praise God. Amen. Now, you have to weave in what we read in Luke. Jesus said, remember, He said, if you're unfaithful in the, un, you know, the unrighteous mammon, who's going to entrust you the true riches? He's comparing the natural with the spiritual. You want to break into the spiritual? He's going to prove you and test you with the natural. See, if we don't pass the natural money test, you will never break into the real riches of the spiritual life. Now, people want to make all kinds of arguments and reasonings that there's no connection between their financial material life and stewardship and management and what they can have over here in the Spirit. But if you read the Bible in plain text, what's he saying? He said, I'm going to prove you. 
I'm going to prove you with money. I'm going to either qualify you or disqualify you for spiritual things with money. This is why the devil attacks people so much about money. And the vast majority are hindered in the body of Christ because they don't think right about money. Pastors are charlatan if they have more than one offering. You know what I mean? People just don't think right about money. You're literate about money. They don't manage money well. And sitting at my desk this afternoon, uh, this, this came up in me. This is just how the Lord talks to me. This thought just flowed up. He said, son, have you ever thought that Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus and committed the highest degree of spiritual betrayal and spiritual treachery in Jesus' earthly life, he first proved that that's exactly what he would do by committing natural betrayal by stealing money out of the bag. He disqualified himself in the spirit and proved what he would do in the spiritual arena with money. And it played out exactly like Jesus said in Luke 16. If you're unfaithful in that which is least, if you're unfaithful with unrighteous mammon, who could give you your own? The true riches, spiritual riches. So it, it, it came at no surprise, amen, that Judas would be the one to betray Jesus in the worst spiritual way possible because he was practicing that failure little bit by little bit by taking money out of the bag. This is, that proves it. Are y'all there? Y'all gone home? Amen. Just, just accept the truth from the Bible. God is going to prove you for the spiritual arena by what you do in the natural arena, specifically with your finances, with your money. See, if I can't trust someone with a, with a financial deal, I, I can't trust them to teach a class. And I'm authorized from the principles and patterns in the Bible to look at how you're doing financially and make judgments about how I can use you spiritually. I'm authorized. If you, if you never show any natural increase, and if I trusted you, if I put in your hands something spiritual that I wanted and needed to increase out of my pastoral stewardship in this church, but you never show any financial increase, you're tell, you've prophesied to me how you'll handle that spiritually. And people want to fight you against that, but it's just right there in red and white. <laughs> Black and white, red and white. But it's also a powerful thing. Because we can handle it. We, can just, we, can, we don't have to stay an unjust steward. We can, we can change this. Now this was so, so insightful to me. Uh, learning this, looking at this this afternoon. So let's talk about Jewish money in the days of Jesus. You remember the word denarii or denarius? A denarii or denarius was a financial, we call dollars, you know. It was a financial measurement back then, okay? Well, one denarii, okay, was equivalent to one day's wage. That was one day's wage, okay? And uh, so what would... 
uh, if you, in a Jewish work year with all the feasts and everything, there were about 300 work days available. So 300 denarii would be an average yearly salary. Okay? Now get this. Let's compare a talent to a denarii. One talent is 10,000 denarii. One talent is 10,000 denarii. If you did the math on 10,000 denarii, it would be 33 years worth of salary. In Jewish culture in Jesus' day, you went to work when you were 17, you retired when you were 50, you think, oh, I wish it was like that today. Well, the lifespan was only like 60. Right? <laughs> right? So you started working the average Jewish boy or girl. They would, if they were going to work, they're going to, mainly the boy, they're going to work at, they're going to start working at 17. They're going to retire at 50. How many? 33 years. What is that? That is a life wage. It represents a life, a professional life. So when we read this story, it sounds like Jesus gave a really small amount of money to this third servant. But did he? No. It was only one talent, but what, guess what? He didn't have to work another day in his life. He gave him a life's salary. Now you can understand. See, he did nothing. He did nothing with his life. Oh, it's getting deep now. He did nothing with his life, which is why Jesus was right and just, as he always is, whether we understand the Scripture or not, amen, to call him wicked and lazy. He had a lifetime's worth of supply that he did nothing with. What did he do? Sit on the street corner? Smoke cigar and mooch off other people? So who knows what he did? But he didn't do anything with a sacred trust, a wonderful gift in this story that Jesus gave this man. Think about that. But to the, you could tell how much he really trusted, how much higher the top guy, what did he get? Five, five lifetimes worth of supply was entrusted into hands. And what did he do with it? He doubled it. He increased it. Woo! Amen. So what does God want out of our life and out of our money? He wants us to increase it. We should be producing more. And it should be a lifelong quest. I'm not talking about greed. I'm not talking about chasing money. But I am talking about being a good and faithful steward, a good and faithful servant with, yes, the material things that God has put into our hand. Right. Notice something else we can see from this powerful parable. Even as much that as God gave the three men, Five lifetimes, two lifetimes, one lifetime of supply. 
Notice in the mind of God, who is the, behind, the, the one behind the parable, right? Mm-hmm. Was, was that ultimately this amount, the best and the highest that God had for them? It was just the proving ground. Right. It was just the test. Right. Notice what he said to the two men who did something. He said, you have been faithful with a few things. Wow. Think, think about that. Five lifetimes worth of supply. Right. What if, what if you know, the average you know, you know, income in our area, let's say it was 75000 and he multiplied that times an average American's career, and then multiplied that times five, and gave it to you. Like, whoo! Sweet! And it's just a test. He said, and he called it what? A few. That's how big, that's how big God's thinking. He says, you have been now faithful over a few things. Now, I'll make you ruler over. Who knows what, how he defines that? Enter thou in. See, so see, this, what, what God puts in our hands, is, it's, it's the proving place, the proving ground. And if we'll learn to be a good steward with that, oh my, 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 we're going to qualify ourselves for the, the spiritual things, amen, but even just naturally and materially. Amen. The place, the authority, the influence that He would bring us into in this life and in the one to come. My, 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 my. See, now you can get, start getting excited and interested. Tell me more about this stewardship thing. Because maybe today you're sitting there thinking, I, I'm, a, I'm a one-talent steward today. I, I, I'm not, I don't think I'm a two-talent steward. I don't think I'm a five. Well, listen, nothing says you have to stay there. Listen, we can all grow. We should all grow. We should all reach. We should all learn. We should all say, Father, teach me. Teach me what I need to know. Help me what I need. I'm, I'm tired of uh, squandering. Amen? Time's failing us, but uh, uh, th- just quickly, some of the things, that, the biggest things of your life that God is monitoring your stewardship. You ready for them? Time. Your time. That's the most precious. You always make more money, but you, the hour is gone. Right. The day gone, week gone, year gone. Now don't get depressed over that, <laughs> but it's just reality. Right. Redeem the time, the days are evil. So a good steward is going to be a good manager uh-huh. of their most precious commodity, which is their time. Mm-hmm. And the devil destroys so many humans and so many Christians mm-hmm. from qualifying for the greatest things God has for them by distracting them. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Wasted time. Wasted time. You know, all the shows I've binge watched, that's not going to count for nothing in eternity. Nothing. Right? Right? All the, the, you know, the break room, Facebook scrolling, water fountain, meaningless conversations we have with coworkers, we could be producing fruit. We could, we could make another sales call. We could put in another resume. 
We could take another class. We could uh, train for a different trade, a better skill. So much of us, we're just waiting on God to land prosperity in our lap. And there's, there's schools, there's trades, there's open doors, there's, there's opportunities. And, and God almost just say, I, I'm just convinced for most of you, say, pick one, do something. I'll bless it. I, I agree with Pastor Nancy. You'll bloom if you do it right with God, wherever you're planted, you'll, you'll bloom. So if you start out as the French fry fryer at McDonald's, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But he, you, you end up the manager of that thing. I mean, he, you will go all the way to the top. But if you hit a limit in some organization, then what you have to do is set your hand to something else. God will bless that. But it's not just, you, we've got to do the natural and the spirit. you understand what I mean? Praise God. So, we talk about our time. We've got to be good stewards of our time. Number two, obviously, our money and our resources. You, got to be, you have to manage that. Let me just say a couple things about this. To be a good steward and manager of money, and I don't claim to be expert in any of this. I'm learning and growing too, okay? But uh, uh, you have to pay attention. A lot of people, they, they impoverish their lives because they don't pay attention. Yep. And the Bible says a good shepherd should know the state of their flock. Mm-hmm. And you should know the state of your finances. You should know how much debt do you have. What is the interest you pay on all that debt? You know, one of the things that kept me motivated back when we were paying off credit cards was to actually make myself look or have Amber tell me what is the finance charge for the credit card. What did we pay them to allow us to float this balance $175, $175, and I would, some, I didn't do it a lot, but I would, I'd either go over to the toilet, or I'd imagine standing over the toilet and flushing $175 down the drain. Mm-hmm. But every time we focused on paying that thing down, that finance charge got less and less and less, and now we're not making Visa rich anymore. Right. We're just using them. Right. But do you even know? You say, no, because I don't want to know. Good stewards will know even if it's not pleasant. Do you know even if you're increasing or treading water or losing ground financially? What did you make last year? What did you make two years ago? What are you, what are you projected to make this year? What are you believing God for this year? What's the trend like? Oh, I don't want to know. <laughs> you, you're a bad steward. You have to be able to measure your project. One of the, one of the key Fundamental things about changing any negative situation is confront the brutal facts. And that's painful sometimes. But to be a good steward of your your resources, you have to pay attention. And you'd be surprised how motivated you would be to stop spending all your money on Snickers bars when you look at that interest you're paying. And then you find out, you read the contract, and it's a variable interest rate. And now we've entered into an environment in our economy where they're jacking, they're going to start increasing the interest rates. And so if you're not locked in on an interest rate, it's about to go higher. Here's what I mean about, you know, uh, some people, they get the revelation of tithing and giving. They, they, they love God. They have God in them. And they want to give and they want to be generous. And the devil sees that. And the devil sees they're committed to tithing. They can't stop, and they can't stop this revelation. So you know what he does? A lot of times he'll, 
push them to buy a more expensive car than they should. Mm-hmm. Now they have a payment. And, and, uh, and uh, get more subscriptions than they should. Mm-hmm. And more credit card payments than they, and more loans and a nicer house than they really should. Mm-hmm. And now, what do they have? They have revelation. They have a heart that yearns to give. But all their money's tied up. And now they can't. Now they can't. The devil's got us. I've been there. We should consider when we get increases in raises. We got a good steward. We should talk to God. Most people, what do they do? They get a big raise. They increase their expenses. So instead of partnering with a new ministry, doing more to help an orphan, increasing their partnership or what they're doing for the local church at all, mm-hmm. it's all going to a nicer car. Right. Now you should have a nicer car, but you should increase your giving. You should increase your, you should show God, I recognize I am blessed to be a blessing. And not all this new blessing is for me to spend on myself. Yeah. Father, what should I do with this money? Be led in these things and really be willing to be obedient. And He'll bless your socks off and and you will come up. Amen? But let's not fall for the trap anymore of the, you know, we have a right heart, but the enemy subtly, right? We we buy all these things because we want all these things. Mm -hmm. And now the next time special projects comes around, you're sitting there wanting to give, but you can't. Because all your money's tied up. Now, we say, Pastor, I've done it. What do to listen, just appeal to God's mercy. And don't beat yourself up. God's an exceedingly merciful, kind God. And the moment He sees a real sincerity in you and a decision in you, and you reach out in humility and say, Father, help me, you know what He's going to He's going to help you in radical ways. Amen. How do I know that? <laughs> because He's done it for me not once and not twice, and more than I would have to tell you. Amen. I mean, more than once, we've said, oh, God, I've said, oh, God. I remember being on the back porch of my car, oh, God, if you'll get me out of this credit card debt, I will never be there again. And he got us out. And then two or three years later, I'm back, I'm back out some other place going, oh, God, I repent. I didn't keep my word, and here I am again. I don't know how I got all this debt on my credit card. And you know what he did? He helped me pay it off. He'll do the same for you. It's not about beating yourself up, but you have to pay attention and you have to find out the brutal facts and you're going to have to start showing some discipline. Amen. Amen. And you should, I'm trying to close here, you should live beneath your means. I don't know where the current statistics are, but the last one, you know, I looked up several years ago, Americans were spending about a dollar and a quarter for every dollar and six cents or so that they made. Now, how's that math work? They are float, they are in a, they're running like the government. They're in a deficit, and every day of their life, they're deeper and they're becoming a, a, a greater slave every day to debt. Listen, to be a good steward of God's money, it's, it's God's money. We don't know any, I don't know anything. Then we're going to have to manage our debt. We're going to have to be willing to say no to that. Believe God for it. And actually put that money on. It's not exciting to put $100 
on a $4,000 credit and see it go from $4,000 to $3,900. That's not real exciting when you could go get a $100 Tommy Bahama shirt on sale for Dillard's. Now, that, that's a lot more fun way to spend $100. But you're going to have to say, no. No. Send that 100 and celebrate. Do a dance because it's amazing how fast. And you start just being faithful and God will start giving you bigger chunks. And then you'll have that wonderful day where you can call Dave Ramsey and scream, I'm free! <laughs> Amen. So our time, our money, I'd say a lot. Let me give you this real quick. Brother Hagin said he lived by this motto financially, he and his wife. He said, this was my motto financially. Make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. I like that, don't you? Make all you can. Save all you can. Give all you can. Now, I hope it doesn't surprise you that the leader of the modern-day faith movement believed in savings. You know, a lot of faith people think saving is sinning. Because if they had faith, they would just live on the edge of their credit card, and who cares about doomsday, and we always have a supply. That's not faith. I said, that's not faith. You should have a savings account. Amen. Think about Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord your substance, the first fruits of all your increase. What did he say? And I'll fill your what? Barn. Your barn. What's a barn? Mm-hmm. It's a storage place. I like that. Thank you. It's a storage place. Mm-hmm. So it can't be sin to have a storage place. No. No, that's what you Remember the dream? that God gave the Pharaoh of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And he had, to get Dan, he had to get Joseph out of prison to interpret it for him. Right. Remember he saw a big fat cow? Mm-hmm. And then he saw a really, really emaciated skinny cow? Yep. And the emaciated skinny cow ate the fat cow? Yep. And he said, I can't figure out what this means. And God says, right, to Pharaoh, he said, there's coming upon the land seven years of plenty. Yeah. Followed by seven years of famine, and the famine will be so severe, it will erase, that's the emaciated cow eating and consuming, it'll just totally erase the gains of the seven years of plenty. And Pharaoh wisely said, well, you're pretty smart here, you can interpret this dream for me, what do you suggest I do? And notice what Joseph didn't say, he didn't say, have faith. Right, amen. Amen. He didn't say, have faith. Just believe God. Live it up during the seven years and then have faith. What did he say? Take 20%. Take 20, one-fifth. Take 20% of all the bounty that comes in during the seven years of plenty and put it up in store against the day of famine that's coming. They did that. In fact, he put Joseph in charge. You all know that. That's how he got promoted. That was his new job. And not only did Egypt, yeah, everybody had that wonderful seven years of plenty, plenty, but when the seven years of famine really hit, no one else, all the other surrounding nations, they didn't save anything. So guess what? They all came to Egypt that had supply. Low supply, high demand. That means skyrocketing prices. And the people gave everything 
They gave themselves. They gave their wives and their children. They said, take our land, take our house, take our cattle. And then they finally said, just take us. We'll work for you. But we got to eat. Egypt not only survived the seven years of famine, they took over everything. Because they had a savings plan. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7.12 that money is a defense. And you need some money. Thank God God is our defense. But you need some money. I said you need some money. You say, say amen or oh me. See, it's not sin to save. And then what happened? All your bills are paid. You're blessed. Man, your business is blessed. You've got good cash flow. You don't have any credit card debt. And then pastor says, hey, listen, God told me to do this, and I need $10,000. I'm going to give that out of my storage. I got that. Hey, I don't want to rob the blessing from everybody else, but I got that 10. That's the way we all should be fighting over that offering. And we could get there if we'll pay attention and become good stewards and and have some faith. Amen? I'm about done, I promise. But you should steward. Another thing you're a steward of is your opportunities. Opportunities are precious. And God can be behind an opportunity and we totally squander it. We're not spiritual enough to discern it. We're too lazy to seize it. We're afraid. We're afraid to seize an opportunity. We don't think we can. We don't have faith. They believe it's an opportunity. It's an open door, but we don't even approach it. We just turn our back on it because, you know, I'm not qualified. I don't have an education. You don't even have a conversation with God about it. God might say, take it. There's an anointing. Mm-hmm. What you think will be impossible will be easy mm-hmm. when I come on you. Amen. I know when God told Dr. Jacobs to write a book, he said, I don't know anything about writing books. You know what God said to him? Learn, Michael. He didn't get a heavenly download. He said, learn. When God told uh, Keith Moore, years ago, before his ministry ever came, he said, uh, you better learn how to fly. He said, I can't. Well, I said, I learn how to fly. He said, you can learn anything you need to learn. He went through all those courses. And now he's got like three airplanes, all debt free, travels the nations, producing fruit for God. What if he had not seized? What if he had not been a good steward of that opportunity back then? When he had that open door and the time to learn how to fly. He wouldn't have the ministry he has today. We have to be good stewards of opportunities that come. You with me? Amen. We have to be good stewards over our minds. Your mind is connected to your prosperity. Amen. We live in the greatest age. We live in the information age. Amen. And to go higher, if you need to know more, then go know more. Go learn. Go study. Go apply yourself. Go take a class. Don't think small. Think big. Don't think poor. Think rich. Amen. Don't think I can. Think I will. <laughs> I'm an overcomer. Be a good steward over your mind. And then lastly, you should be a good steward over your talents. And now I am talking about those natural talents. There's things that God put in you. Some, some of the things I see you all do, I marvel at. I really do. I marvel at, uh, 
I, I just I couldn't do that in a million years. I just couldn't I just couldn't do it. But that, but you you guys do it with ease. Will to be. <laughs> I burned myself. You know, some of the some of the skills you guys have. Uh, I, I marvel what people that are wired like my wife, what, what she can do with numbers. And I mean, when I think it, we'd be a sinking ship from a cash flow perspective if I if I did it. But they can go, no, we do that, pay that, pay that now, and oh, yeah, that's all good, Pastor. Have a good week. Really? Amen. But those, there's graces and there's gifts. Amen. And they're in you. But you have to develop them. It's not like God's going to turn you, right, while you sleep on your bed into a highly skilled, elite, whatever. But if you'll apply yourself, I said, if you'll apply yourself, develop those gifts. You monetize that for yourself and for the kingdom of God. Amen. I tell you what, this is my closing comment. I'm not ready yet. I, I'm still praying it out, circling out what we're to do next in terms of construction of this campus, building of this campus. But I know it's going to be expensive. Right. You know, we've spent since 2005 to today to present working on this building. We don't have time to do that again. I said, we don't, in these last days, we do not have time to spend another 20 years building phase two. We're going to have to take everything we've learned, everything we've learned, all of us, and buckle down and use our faith and let God accelerate us. Amen. So that we can get this next building done with no debt. Amen. In a short amount of time. Yes, sir. And don't think, him, uh, my mind will say impossible. No, no. Amen. 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 But it's going to take all of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I said it's going to take all of us. Amen. 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 And you, you just have your little part. I have my little part. You have your little part. But let's, let's, let's come up in stewardship. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for...